RadioInfluence.com. Hello, all my faithful listeners. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. To anyone new that's tuning in, what's happening? How you doing? Happy holidays. Holidays to you. How you making out? How you doing with the Christmas, the hustle and bustle and all that jazz? And uh, you know what, man? I'm going to do the shopping in one or two days. That's how I'm doing it. I'm putting up lights this year and, you know, everything's decorated. We're all good. And uh, I got the honeydew list and everybody's doing okay. So, you know what? We're doing okay. All is good. All is good. So, listen, I'm knee deep in football coverage with the Buccaneers. Um, now and then with the lightning, I'll do that more once football is over, but I'm bringing you some baseball today. A little hot stove. This is one. Of, this was a really one of my favorite guests. It was a really, really, it, it just a happy, happy, happy time. I go over to Tropicana field. I see they have a press conference. They're going to introduce their newest starting pitcher. He came from the Phillies, Zach Eflin, 28 years old, three years, $40 million guaranteed. Uh, yeah, he's had some knee issues. Yeah, he's got a career of 440 ERA. Listen, the Rays, you see what they've done with pitchers. With pitchers. You see what the Rays do in the AL East. They're always, they're always there competing despite the low payroll. And they're giving this guy guaranteed $40 million. They've done their homework. They know what they're doing. And to go over there, and I reminisced a little bit because I have been covering Rays baseball and going to Tropicana Field since, since day one. I was in Palm Beach at the Breakers when they announced that the Rays were the new Major League Baseball expansion team. I was there from day one. And so it was kind of like, I'm going to reminisce a little bit some of the stories. Good, bad, getting the TV plug uh, taken out by Yankee fans in our live broadcast go down. Uh, a guy saying something really dirty on a live call-in when we used to take calls with no delay system. Uh, being in the clubhouse, all that stuff. Jose Canseco, Manny Ramirez. I'll give you a little bit of that after I get to my interviews. I got two today. So it's not every day that I get to sit down on the Rock Stops Here podcast and talk with a multi, 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 multi millionaire. Uh, Zach Eflin is a good man. And he's got a young family. He and his wife. His little daughter was at the press conference. She's cuter than anything, like I think 14 months old. They have twins, girl twins on the way. He's from Orlando. He used to go to Rays games when he was a kid. And now how surreal he's here. And I got a second guest on the Rock Stops here, Peter Bendix. He is the general manager of the Tampa Bay Rays. I know they do things differently. They give him a title, senior VP of baseball operations. He's the GM, youngest GM in all of baseball. He start, he's 37 years old. He started with the Rays as an intern and then just worked his way up. It, what a story that is. So you know what? Let me give you a little, they called it hot stove league it's it's baseball in the winter that's what we're going to do today so it was my honor and pleasure to sit down with six foot six Haggerty high school orlando ovita florida now tampa bay ray former philly my man the big man the big righty watch out for that uncle charlie curveball the one the only zach effort 
All right, congratulations. We are with the newest Ray on a really good staff coming from the Phillies organization. He's an Orlando boy. He came here to the Trop as a kid, and now he's actually a Ray. Does it almost seem a little bit surreal? A little bit, a little bit, but um, at the same time, like growing up a huge fan, like and coming here and pitching here against the, these guys, like you can envision, envision yourself being on this team and I'm just thankful for the opportunity. Now you were saying, and I'm sure you mean it, that talking to a lot of guys, it's really a close community in Major League Baseball. Everybody that I've covered that's played here has always said good things, especially pitchers. You got that a lot being in Major League Baseball and you've heard from other former Rays? Absolutely, I've heard from plenty of those guys and they've absolutely factored into the decision. What, here's my question. You, you've been, you've made it with the Phillies. You stayed there a long time, went even into the pen after, you know, with the knee and all that. What is, what is, is it harder to make it to the show? Is it harder to stay in the show? It's harder to stay. Yeah, I, I think harder to stay for sure. Um, you know, it's, it's nice to get that opportunity, but to be able to have that opportunity every fifth day or whatnot and be able to put a full season together is very, very hard. What do you th- what, what is the key? What is the key? There's a lot of players, man, that are talented that never make it all the way. It's very, very hard. What do you think is the key? Um, I'd say the first thing is health. Second thing, probably competitiveness. Um, you know, you got to be able to execute your pitches or whatnot. Um, so that helps a lot too. But limiting walks, weak contact, kind of looking at those things more so than anything. Um, but like you said, it's, I mean, it's, it's not necessarily easy to get to the big leagues, but it's it's definitely a lot harder to stay. Now, I remember when Maddox was at the end of his career, I think he was with the Padres, and he threw a game here. We go over to his locker, and he was like, yeah, I'm working on this pitch. And I'm like, this is a Hall of Famer. And pitchers are still always working. Didn't you do the same? I know your slider and the sinker, but your curveball got better. Uh, can you explain that, Matt? Yeah, it's just kind of like little ideas that you come up with through, throughout the year, ideas that other people have, um, different arm actions or different grips or, or whatnot. I had to kind of change the arsenal when I went to the, the bullpen just because I went from six pitches to three just to eliminate you know, three other options so that I could focus on the three best pitches that I had and being able to locate them and stuff. But it's it's more so like when you have a lot of feel, it's 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 a game. Like we, we play a game out there, right? And when we throw bullpens, I'm trying to, to dot that down on a way curveball to a lefty exactly where I want to every single time. You know, it's not just throwing it, trying to get it to the spot. It's I'm going to get it to the spot. So, you know, it becomes like it becomes a little puzzle when you're when you're playing, uh, you know, when you're doing a bullpen or whatnot. You go cutter up and in, cutter back door to a lefty. Just start kind of mixing and matching, and you start seeing a lot of different shapes. So, um, yeah, I know Maddox is one of the best to ever do it, you know, and the movement that he had was absolutely incredible. So um, it's fun to do stuff like that. All right, here's my, la- my, my last two. It must be really a great time for you and your family. Not only do you get the big deal, you get the pitch here down the road from Orlando with the Rays. They're very good with their pitchers. Also, you've got twins on the way. You've got the family. I mean, it's pretty good, huh? Yeah, it's life is pretty good. Um, we're very, very thankful and very blessed. Um, we have a 14-month-old girl right now, and we have two twin or we have twin girls on the way. So it's going to be a little hectic, but we have kind of on-demand support two hours away, and you know we're playing for the the team that I grew up rooting for. So it's it's just really really special. Here's my last one. I always ask, what advice do you have for a young player that's trying to make it? You've made it. What's the best piece of advice, Zach? You think you can give? Um, 
to be absolutely doesn't matter what what position you play but just be absolutely fearless in everything you do um not worry about the negatives just highlight the positives um you know be as competitive as, as you can and understand that there's always someone trying to steal food off your family's table um i'd probably stick with that awesome best of luck man i much appreciate that yeah i really really enjoyed that man he was just such a polite nice genuine thrilled to be a tampa bay ray he said that they used to get carloads groups of eight would drive over from orlando to come see the rays take on the red sox take on the yankees and now here he is here he is he said he hasn't reached his ceiling yet he did a nice job with the Phillies, and Eric Neander, who is the baseball boss of the Rays, said, in this day and age where everybody is throwing 98, you know, it's about the velocity and the gun, and you see the arms, it's incredible. I don't know how anybody can hit. He is a master. He can paint the corner. He is a craftsman. He, just talking about Zach Eflin. It's not that Zach Eflin can't throw hard. And... He re- When I brought up Greg Maddox, you can't see it here because this is audio only. His eyes lit up when I told that story about Maddox still working on pitches, even at the end of his career. Pitchers are always working on their craft, working to find new grips or new ways the ball is going to move. You got to for major league hitters. Major league hitters are too good. If it's going to come in flat, they're always working on stuff. In baseball, heavy mental game, heavy mental game. All of us, you can be in the bullpen and shit isn't working. You come out there and you throw a no hitter or just the opposite. You're looking like, man, nobody's going to hit you, and you're, you're out in the second inning. Baseball, is that's the beauty of baseball. But anyway, it was so nice to see a young, young family. His wife, I talked to her for a little bit while he was being interviewed. Neil Solons from Rays Radio was uh, doing his podcast. So I, I, you know, take your time, Neil. And I talked to her for just a second. I said, man, I grew up in a male-oriented family, two brothers, All I've been doing my entire career is covering sports, sports talk radio, being out at arenas and stadiums and fields and locker rooms and only talking to guys. And now I'm in a female-oriented family. I have a daughter that's 13, and oh boy, oh boy. One day she's got a BFF. Ten minutes later she's crying. That's no longer her friend. I don't understand. And, 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 And Zach's wife laughed. She goes, well, we got twin girls coming, so we're gonna have three. Uh, at the same time, I said, oh, my God. But it was really, really nice. It was really, really, really nice to see. So anyway, you got that. Now, let me lead into my next guest. Peter Bendix. He went to Tufts University. He did a research project. He studied sabermetrics. He did a research project, and he had two offers to intern with two different Major League Baseball teams. He goes to the Rays as an intern, not that long ago, really, and has worked his way up, 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 and he is now the senior vice president of baseball operations, which is the general manager. He's not even 40 years old. Unbelievable story. So I ask him, obviously about Zach, but also how did you get to where you are? How about that? So if you got a dream, 
and you want to be with a football team, an NFL team, a baseball organization, Major League Baseball, hockey, NBA, you want to work with the greatest in entertainment, there's a way to do it. And here he is, Senior VP, Baseball Operations, Tampa Bay Rays, in Major League Baseball, Mr. Peter Bendix. All right, Peter. First of all, congratulations on all of your success moving up the ladder here with the Rays organization. But I do want to ask you about your latest addition with Zach. Um, not only does he have, you know, the skills and, and all he's been able to do on the mound, he's an Orlando kid. He's just so happy and to join the Rays. That's a pretty nice mix, is it not? Absolutely. The fact that he lives two hours away, the fact that he grew up a Rays fan, attended Rays games in high school, I think that's pretty cool. And to be able to now pitch for us and hopefully have the kind of success that we envision, that's every kid's dream. And I, I can only imagine how exciting it is for him to play that out. And it's certainly really exciting that for us that we're able to add him. Now, I've been covering baseball for a long time. And I know, you know, it looks great on paper. You would look at it and you're like, all right, the Rays, they could really use some bats and, you know, that. But in the end, you can never have enough good pitching. That's how I look at it. Do you kind of look at it like that it starts with pitching? Absolutely. I think a lot of our success during my time with the Rays over the last 15 years, it's often built on pitching and defense. It's kind of become our identity, and you can never have too much pitching. And even if the pitching was you know, a strength coming into the season, you cannot. it's nothing wrong with making it stronger, with building on your strengths. And certainly, we'd still like to add offense. We know that is an area that we need to improve, but we also didn't want to walk by the opportunity to make a strength even stronger. He mentioned it, and all of former Rays that I have talked to, especially pitchers, but even position players, they're always like, this is a great organization to play for. What is it about the Rays that so many players like playing for the Rays? We take pride in trying to treat all of our players as well as we possibly can, treat their families well. Uh, treat them as people and I think our staff starting with Cashy and Kyle especially they take the time to get to know all of our players as individuals and they genuinely care about them not just on the field they care about them as human beings and I think that's something that really goes a long way and it's genuine it's authentic I think there's a very much a, a family feel here and we we win together we lose together but the key is that we do it together and I think a lot of players seem to enjoy that just a couple more on you very interesting interesting story. I know you went to Tufts and Sabermetrics. You studied it then. You started out as an intern and have moved your way up. Youngest general manager. I know the title is a little bit different here. Um, did you know when you were at Tufts that you wanted to one day be in the position that you're in in Major League Baseball? Be honest now. When I was at Tufts, I don't think there was anybody with my background in a position like this in baseball. It wasn't something that I could conceive of. And the fact that I'm here now is, I mean, it's incredibly cool. I'm incredibly grateful for the opportunity to have spent such a long time in this organization and work for and with such incredible people, not just to get to this level, but to be able to do it with people I genuinely care about and have success with these people. That's what makes it great. 
do you get to enjoy the games? Or you so, you know, when you're at the position that you are and everything that you've learned with Sabermetrics and all that you're responsible for, can you still enjoy the games? At my heart, I'm a baseball fan. I grew up a baseball fan in Cleveland watching the mid-90s Indians, and that's what really spurred my baseball passion, and I still have that passion. I think the day that I lose that passion is probably the day that I shouldn't work in baseball anymore. That's awesome. Last one I ask everybody, what is the best piece of advice? Someone that wants to work in, in baseball, Major League Baseball, move up the ladder, what's the best piece of advice? You're here now. You made it. What is it? Be persistent and make your boss's job easier. If you can make your boss's job easier, it doesn't matter what position you are in and who your boss is, but you become far more invaluable. You have more opportunities to learn. And when you get those opportunities, don't miss them. Thank you so much. Best of luck. Thank you. Awesome, 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 awesome. I think it was just such a great day at Tropicana Field because nobody's coming off any losses. They're not... 12 back in the in the in the loss column or the uh you know games back nobody's in on a uh, in a slump no player got in trouble nobody's talking about attendance uh, new stadium is there ever going to be a new stadium <laughs> none of that it was just a happy occasion and i got a podcast out of it the rock stops here met some really really nice people his agent i looked at his agent i'm like boy that face he i remember he looks very familiar and then he came over and said how you doing rock and i'm like oh he remembers me tom o'connell his age he goes remember nick green days and he just seemed like a good guy the most the baseball agents that i have dealt with like kiermeyer's agent he was always a great guy good guys so And we talked for a minute. So, I mean, everybody was just in a good mood. It was a happy time. That's what the offseason is in baseball. Hot stove league, they call it. Or when they take the caravans around, especially in in the northern uh, towns where it's cold and it's winter. And just to talk baseball used to be great. God dang it. I remember when I was living in Colorado, in Littleton, Denver. And we had a lot of snow. And... There was spring training was starting out of Tucson. And I remember watching, it was cold, a cold day in Denver, and there was snow on the ground. And I was watching a spring training game on my TV, and I saw palm trees and the green grass. Same thing when I lived up in New Jersey. I used to watch Met games on, and you'd see Al Lang Stadium, and you'd see the wide shot that they'd go to. Uh, going to break after the inning was over and you'd see the water that on the bay there and the palm trees and it'd be like oh i can't wait for spring pitchers and catchers oh and it means that springtime is on the way winter is over just about over there's something about it now here it was a gorgeous day driving to tropicana field i got out of my car it was 80 degrees (laughs) it couldn't have been nicer i wish i would have stayed outside so we'll see i'm not going to get into the stadium issue and anything like that it was just kind of neat and i started you know i was walking I was walking in the parking lot to go inside and I just started thinking, man, like, wow, I covered this team from day one. 
I went to press conferences with the owner who has now passed, Vince Namoli, when I was at a radio station that wanted the rights to the games because you got 162 games that are going to be on your dial and that and the, and the, it's called the preset. So if you got a guy a getter done, he's got a his pickup truck and he's re- listening to the Rays at night and the game, you know, he's like, all right, I'm home. Boom, I'll, I'll I'll watch it when I get home. And you know, I get in the driveway. Boom, shuts it off. When he gets up in the morning, that turns on the radio. That preset is already on. 970 WFLA at the time or 620 or whatever. And uh, so I, I covered I covered Vince DiMoli talking to other CEOs because we wanted the rights. And the boss, Gabe Hobbs, told me, your goal, man, cover Vince DiMoli. Let him know. See that mic flag. Let him know who you are. You're out and about. We want the rights to baseball. I said, okay. And I remember going to a meeting of all CEOs, a breakfast meeting. And Vince Namoli coming from Anchor Glass. I believe that was the, I just thought of it now. I think that's the company that he, he, he ran. He made his money on. And I remember there was a Q&A of these CEOs. And I'm just sitting in the back and I'm recording it. And, you know, just doing what I'm doing. The Vince would see me there. And I remember one of the CEOs, younger guy goes, you know, Mr. Namoli, you're telling us all these, you know, ways on how to be successful and all that. What do you do for fun? And I remember Vince DiMoli saying, you know, what do I do for fun? Uh, my wife got me a tennis racket. Uh, you know how many times I've used it? None. You know what's fun for me? When those checks clear every first of the month or the end of the month or whatever, something like that comes in from the company. And I was like, oh, my God, he's so driven. But uh, I was just thinking of the good and the bad And there's just something about baseball when you go, you're in person. It's relaxing. Now, I was never one to like to do the scorecard. A lot of people I know find that enjoyable. I did not because I always played baseball. So usually on all the teams over the years that I was on, if I wasn't pitching and wasn't playing in the field, you do the scorecard. I don't want to do the scorecard. I got a uniform. I came here to play. I don't want to sit here and do a scorecard. And uh, I just, it was never my thing, but there are so many that loved it. But I love going to baseball. It's great if you can go with a buddy or some people, have some beers and a dog and all the mustard and the sour, whatever it is, man, whatever your preference is. Um, And just sit there and just... There is no clock. Like, that's it. Now, can I sit on my couch? And if it's not playoffs, World Series, that's different, pitch by pitch. But I have it on the background. I can't do four hours and just sit on my couch. Unless I'm working out, I'm doing something in the back. It's something that's on the background. But going to baseball, it's very, very relaxing, and it just takes me away from everything, you know. And... It was really, really a great time because the Rays were starting out. Yeah, they were bad. And I remember saying, in my lifetime, the way they have no salary cap, being in the high payroll, New York Yankees, Boston Red Sox, Toronto Blue Jays, and then the Orioles. Uh, Although the Orioles came on last year, did they not? 
Then I'll never see them in the play. I'll never see them in the postseason in my lifetime. Never will. I wish they were in another division. I wish they were in the National League. And boom, how about it? That was one of my most fun days was when the Rays clinched the AL, beating the Boston Red Sox and were going to the World Series. Aki Iwanora stepped on second base and they were going. And to go into a clubhouse, and because I had covered them since the beginning and bad days and done so many interviews, so many live shows at 11 o'clock, uh, out at Tropicana Field and for the low, low Rays to be going to the World Series. I remember Tom Foley, bench coach, third base coach. He, he was like, rock. And, you know, the beer is flying. You're getting doused, soaked with wine and, and or champagne and, and uh, beer and didn't mind it at all. And right in there doing live interviews in the locker room for TV it was awesome. I remember Nick, uh, Foley, Tom Foley, looking at me. He goes, Rock. And he had the goggles on, but they were sideways. He couldn't even see. And he's like, Rock, we're going to the World Series. The Rays, we're going to the World Series. I'm like, holy crap. I remember Evan Longoria. He was so young. It was his first year. He had two of his buddies that were there. They were 23 years old in the locker room. And he goes over, and one of the guys that he had just acquired, he goes, do you realize, dude, how lucky you are? I've played like 14 years. This is my first trip. Your first year in Major League Baseball, you're going to the World Series. Do you realize that? But how could he? How could he? So that was really, really neat. The World Series was neat, but it was cold and rainy in Philly, and we had a long delay, and Bud Silly came out and did a thing with him. And, oh, uh, and they just didn't do very well. They, you know, blah, blah, blah. But I mean, those were some good times. Always love spring training. There's something about spring training. There really is. Just, just, I don't know. The grass is so green. They hear the sound of the balls hitting the mitt. The balls hitting the bat. The wood bat, not the ping. I don't like that ping, the aluminum sound. I don't like it. And being a former pitcher, I like to hear, I like the wooden bat. There really is a difference because I pitched in amateur leagues. I hate when guys say, I'm playing semi-pro. You're not playing, playing semi-pro. You're paying to play. That, that ain't semi-pro. Semi-pro is somebody paying you. Those, that, that doesn't happen. And, uh, but when, you, when I pitched, and I pitched for years and years and years and years, all the way to 50 years old, in 18 and over, may, uh, baseball, but when, when we would have a fall league down here in Florida, it was year-round. We'd only take off between Thanksgiving and Christmas, and then after that, it was year-round. I pitched every week for years, from 38 to 44, had an operation. Coco Eaton took care of my shoulder, and then I went back and then pitched till I was 50, and then it hurt again. He had to operate on it again, and I was like, that's it. That's it. And... Uh, um. I remember going to a wood bat league, pitching in a wood bat league. I'm like, oh, my God. I'm throwing a three-hitter, a four-hitter. Balls that would normally go out maybe or WTP, warning track power. Like there really is a difference between wooden and aluminum. Major league hitters could not. They would do so much damage if they were allowed to use aluminum. And it always blew me away when I would go into the clubhouse and – 
you see guys and they're either you know going to take a shower or getting changed and you know you try not I, I just it's not my thing try not to look it's their place but when you see a guy with his shirt off sometimes major league baseball you're like he's not really big cut you know that muscular and then you go out to batting practice and it seems like they're not even swinging that hard and the ball is just like boom and it, and it, and it takes off like a golf like a like a tee shot and boom and you hear it hit the the bleachers uh the fence you know the seats and you're like how do they hit it that far you know or you get behind a catcher and throwing in a bullpen session guys warming up and then he's finally ready and it's like boom the pop like the ball just explodes you know how do they do it or they were or late breakers or just and now guys are throwing mid 90s with movement 98 it's just unbelievable but just like there were some crazy crazy ass times you know and i was fortunate enough to be in a place for 14 years to do a live half hour show on tv every single night and who gets to do that and we would do a lot of shows live at the trop and when we first started out we didn't have what they call a fiber line so we would have to send out a live truck and a lot of times it would be a different guy like somebody just coming off shooting uh videotaping news and they bring the live truck out, and the one time we were doing a game right after a Yankees game, and this is when the Yankees had the big draw at the Trop, a lot of fans, and I was busy, you know, talking back with my producer, making sure, a half hour is a lot of content. You know, a lot of, a lot of script, a lot of content, a lot of tape, a lot of audio, like a lot of stuff. And you're all gonna be on the same page when you're on TV. There's an audio, there's a, a director, technical director, there's a live shot, blah, blah, blah. So you'll be the same. So I'm, con I'm back with that, back with the desk, boom, boom, boom. By the time I go out on where the camera guy set up with a live truck, he set up, they call them sticks, but they're called tripods. He set up the tripods with the cameras on, the microphones attached, the director's chairs right in the middle of the walkway where all the fans are going to come out. And the game is just ending when we're going to go on live TV. And I just looked at him. I'm like, what are you doing? I don't know. I just sat up there. And it's too late now. We're like five minutes out. We're going live. Every night we were live. And I'm like, you got to be kidding me. All these fans, are gonna, they got to walk around us. And they're all Yankee fans. And I remember they came out and they started yelling stuff and you're no Mike Lupica, Raleigh, you know, and all this stuff and yelling stuff, yelling stuff. And I'm trying to do highlights and I'm live on TV and this and that. And then all of a sudden, boom, we went dark. And I'm like, son of a bitch. And I'm like, what, what happened? And one, one of the Yankee fans took the uh, cord, the cable, and pulled it right out of the live truck. So it, it shut down our broadcast. And I was so pissed. I remember screaming, oh, 
you get what you wanted? Is that what you wanted? You got what you wanted now? And all that stuff. And the thing is, our head boss, Elliot, was a huge Yankees fan. And he knew it was a Yankees fan that killed our broadcast. He was not. He didn't say too much. (laughs) But those were that. There was another time where I was doing, then where the Rays have a race, they have a race tank. It's uh, where these these manta rays swim around and sometimes a home run ball will land in it. Uh, fans can go up there. It's in, it's in center, right center field. Fans can go up. They can pet with their kids. You can pet the manta rays that are swimming. And we used to do our show from up there. They had a fiber set up that was up there. And I remember uh, getting a guest. He was a third baseman. I don't even remember his name. He wasn't there long with the Rays. And I remember we started taking, you know, so I did the interview and blah, blah, blah. We was like, take some calls. Let's take some calls. And we take some calls. And a guy calls in, a fan. (laughs) Remember now, there's no delay like there is in radio. Radio, you have a seven-second delay. There was no delay. Guy calls in. He's like, Hey, you know, you guys take a shower after the game, right? Did you ever see uh, Larry Rothschild naked after the game? (laughs) Larry Rothschild was the first ever manager of the Tampa Bay Rays. (laughs) Now, I'm laughing now, but when you're on live like that and you have a guest, a Rays player, and I just, and I, I say, I say, oh, and yeah, yeah, it's, yeah, Larry is really, really a good man. Is he a player's manager? You know what? I'm going to ask you about that after the break. Let's take a break. We'll be right back. This is the Toyota Sports Connection. We are live at Tropicana Field. The Rays lose this one four to three. We'll be right back. Boom. Just to try to pretend like it didn't happen. And the guy, the player goes, did he just say something about a shower, man, or well, Ray, the shout, no, 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 no. He said, no, something about something. But he's asking about Larry and just try to blow past that. I'll never forget um, when my son, who's now 25, he was probably about 10 and he had work boots on. He went through this stage. No, he was probably younger than that, maybe seven or eight. He used to wear these, we used to call them clodhoppers in New Jersey, but work boots, you know what I'm talking about? It, kindergarten, first grade, he wore them every day down here in Florida. He was on a kick. And so I had him, I was divorced. That's all he knew. We, we got separated when I, blah, blah, blah. But that's all he knew. So I had him every other weekend. And here I had to do a live show on Friday night at 11 o'clock, way past his bedtime. But I had him. He was my responsibility. I'm a single father. So, Hunter, you're coming to Tropicana Field with me. And it was to do interview Vince Namoli, the owner. And Vince Namoli was with his wife and his wife's sister. So it's the owner of the Rays. And it's a live show. And I have my son with me, who's a little kid. I don't know. He might even been younger than that. And I remember bringing a sleeping bag. And I remember setting him up near where, off camera, but up in the center field area where we're going to do our live show. And I'm doing highlights. And, you know, the kid is rambunctious when you're young like that. And I'm trying to do live all by myself, do the show live. 
Vince Damoli is waiting in the wings with his wife. My little son is there. This is all live. I put him in the sleeping bag. He's not going to fall asleep. And I, he, I think he started making some faces or something. I'm like, oh, my God. So Vince comes on the show. This is my son, blah, blah, blah. We do it. I think Vince's wife was very nice talking to Hunter. Blah, blah, blah. I we, we finish with Vince. Somehow I make it through the show. And I get him out of the sleeping bag. And I'm like, boy, something smells around here. What, 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 what? He stepped in poop. I don't know where he stepped in it. Put Got it in the sleeping bag. There were tracks all over. I don't know if Vince ever smelled it. I are you kidding me? But just just so many I have so many I have so many stories and remembrances of Tropicana Field. My best friend Whitney Johnson and I used to have a whole lot of fun covering the rays at Tropicana Field. Where we sat, if we would go out, we would go we just had a blast, and there's a whole bunch of stories. And maybe one day, if you see me out somewhere at the local watering hole, I can give you a little bit more. Some of my favorite players, boy, there'd be a lot. There'd be a lot. Uh, Carl Crawford was a really, really good dude. B.J. Upton, very, very nice guy. James Shields, big game James, was one of my favorites. Uh, a right-hander, and it's, you know, because I, I have a very good friend, Tom Karen. He's out of Boston, Nesson, New England Sports Network. He has been the pregame, postgame guy. He's been there for 25 years, and Tom is the man. We worked in Plattsburgh, New York, WPTZ, my first-ever TV job, the NBC affiliate, Plattsburgh slash Burlington, Vermont. And Tom came in under me, and then he went to Portland, Maine, and from Portland into Boston, and he's there. And he's there this, to this day. He's the man, Tom Karen. And I remember when the Rays were playing the Red Sox back in the day in the playoffs. And Tom told me, he's like, you know, big game James, how many, how many big games has James been in? That's what his... His uh, broadcast partner was saying, you know, they were saying, and I was like, he got the nickname in the minors. He was in some big games in the minors, and then just he got to the majors, and they still gave him that name, Big Game James. But he was really, really cool. They're all, they were all pretty good. I can't think of any guys that were really jerk offs like that I had to deal with, honestly. One of my favorites, too, Johnny Gomes. Do you remember Johnny Gomes? He would swing for the fences. He loved, he, he was friends with uh, Brian Knobs, one half of the Nasty Boys, uh, former WWF tag team champion with, Brian, with Sags. And there was a stretch for a year or two, two years, three years, that they would put him on the Jumbotron and he would get the crowd all pumped up. And they paid him by giving him beer, knobs. And I was friends with knobs at the time. And I remember one time, John Cena. John Cena was just, he was on the, the rise with WWE. And I wasn't even following it that much. I had followed more of the older school and the Attitude Era. 
And I remember, oh yeah, John Cena. And I remember I shook his hand. He introduced me. And Nobbs, he was friends with Nobbs. And he was at the game. And they were pounding beers. And he was pounding beers. And it was like, I should have made more of a, a thing about it. Like, he's John Cena. But Nobbs started the Legends of Wrestling. Former WWE guys. And they would do these at baseball stadiums after games. So they did a couple at the Trop, and Johnny Gomes got in the ring, and he was a great guy. They used to go to the uh, that the nice hotel, the Vinoy, in St. Pete, and they would party a little bit, <laughs> probably more than a little bit. And I just remember Johnny Gomes; he was great. There was a time where he was being called back down to AAA, and I remember we we were waiting in the, the on media waiting in the hallway and I remember he came out of the locker room and his eyes looked red to me and I remember saying to him were you just crying and he's like I wasn't crying and this was on camera and now that I think about it I never should have asked that but I did and I remember I was getting my balls busted after that like there's no crying in baseball you know but Johnny Gomes was a good guy. Evan Longoria was always pretty cool to me. He was all—he was a little bit aloof, which might come across as just cocky, but it was that California cool, you know. But he was—he was always pretty cool to me. Um, I could go down the list and keep on going all day, but I don't want to bore you guys reminiscing. But since we just had one of the newest, the newest, highest-paid Ray. Zach Eflin here on the podcast. I just thought that I would uh, reminisce back a little bit. Let me see if there's something else that I was forgetting about. Um, no, that's about it. That is about it. So, you know what? And this is funny. I went to the dentist, my dentist. I really like my dentist. He's older, but he's still on his game. And I have a new dental plan now. And it's different. And I was like, oh, mind that he doesn't cover it, but it's out of network, they call it. So you're going to put in and then send it in. And da, da, da. But I really like him. Dr. Berger, he's a great guy. I'm like, you know what? I'm going back. When you got a dentist that you like. But we were just talking about this, about playing when you get older, softball, and this and that. Now he's up there. He didn't want to tell me how old he is, but I would say he is, he's pushing 80, I would say, maybe. Maybe 70, anywhere from 75 up. He's But he's sharp still. You know, he hasn't lost it. His hands aren't shaking. <laughs> if he's going to do some drilling. <laughs> but he's really, really, he's sharp. And he's great. And it was just, he was just telling me, I just went there last week. He said, I'm not going to tell you how old I am, but I have a friend that is still playing softball and he's always injured. I'm like, it's so funny. Ian Beckles, who's a former Buccaneer and he's a longtime radio talk show host, got a podcast and da, 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 da. He's got the greatest line. I've said it many a time. I told this to Dr. Berger. If there is some part of you, whether it's your arm, your leg, your ankle, your stomach, your bleak, and you, you make a movement, ooh, it hurts. You just never make that movement again <laughs> as you get older. F trying to rehab it. And I told him that and he laughed. He goes, let me tell you something. I have a friend 
we went, he's still playing softball. Every time I see him, he's either limping, he's got an ace bandage on. We just went to dinner with his wife last week, and he had a uh, splint on his wrist. And I'm like, no, thank you. And it's so funny because when I walked out of Tropicana Field and I was like, oh, there's baseball again. I played in that media game this year. I was sore for two days, but it was great. Oh, I was hoping I'd get to pitch an inning. And then I played first base the whole game. Played nine innings. I hadn't played baseball in 15 years. But it was so much fun. But I was so glad that I didn't pitch. Because when I took the ball and they were throwing it around the horn and I threw it back to the pitcher, he was in the, devil, the Ray staff, my arm had nothing on it. It was like nothing. And I'm like, you know, you know. So there's just, you know, you can't beat father time. You can try. You can do it. Like, I enjoy going to the gym. I go to the gym almost every day. If I've drank too many beers or something, I'm not feeling good. I'm not going to tax my body. I don't go. Um, but, and I don't do, I don't do the cardio. I can't get on a treadmill. It's too boring for me. It is. But I, I lift a little bit. Not heavyweight. But there's always something. Like, my, my forearm is killing me. And I don't know, again, if it's from the bee sting, it's the Benadryl spray, what it is. I should get it checked out. But, man, it's it bothers me. Or what else? I got something else that's bothering me. But it's funny. Being a guy, like my daughter, oh, my God. Or my 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 wife, like female-oriented female family, they get everything checked. They, they'll let you know. She's like, how long has your forearm been hurting me? Oh, about a week and a half. You haven't said anything. No. So I don't know. It's funny. My father-in-law has no injuries because he did not play sports. And he has no pulls, no ligament damage. He looks younger than he is for his age because he never played sports. Maybe that's the key. <laughs> maybe that's it so i don't know but all in all all is good and uh i just had a good time talking with zach don't know still if i'm going to be going to the super bowl super hopefully not super bore but i will let you know and uh still hoping to go to the nfl combine and maybe the nfl owners meetings in arizona that will cost a little cha-ching, cha-ching, but I know I can get a whole bunch of great podcast guests. So in the meantime, best of luck. Continue on. Oh, and I do want to say rest in peace, Mike Leach. You know, the Outback Bowl takes place every year here in Tampa Bay. It's always the first bowl game. They get very good ratings. And I thought it was strange where he was not here for the coach's signing party. It's always a big thing. The co I've, I've covered, been at many for years and years and years, over 20-some years, Outback Bowl, coaches signing. It's a big shindig. It's free. It's food and beer and booze and party and beautiful time to be down here in florida and it was strange when he wasn't here because it's mississippi state against illinois i thought that was strange and then we started hearing some rumblings that boy he had to be airlifted and stuff and he passed away so i just can't imagine what that's like for that program 
And boy, was he beloved because everybody that I talked to that had an interaction with him said that he would just, not even about football, about life and BS and so down to earth and would talk for a long, 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 long time. He was just one of a kind, not your typical football coach. So that was kind of sad news to hear, you know, but the game must go on and it will. And best of luck to Mississippi State and to Illinois and to all of you. Listen, have a great holiday. Let's see, what is the time? We might have one more uh, before the holiday. And, you know, best of luck, man. So thank you very much for listening to me babble on here. And we'll just keep on keeping on. Let's keep on keeping on. Thanks, guys. I really appreciate you.